dark places can be frightening. Can you ever remember a time when the power went out and you were left in complete darkness? The last time I can remember, I was in the basement of the parsonage at night and all of a sudden, all the lights went out and I was wondering why we store all the candles and flashlights upstairs. That's not the only problem I have with light, however. I have another problem with light. When I sit at the desk at my home with the blinds open and the curtains to the window right behind the desk wide open, the light from outside pours into the study and into my face. My computer monitor is directly in front of me, in front of the window. But the light coming in from outside around the monitor from outside is brighter than the light of the computer monitor. And so my irises contract to let in less sunlight because the outdoors is brighter, but because the indoors is darker, I can't see the computer monitor anymore. My iris is shut down and I'm blinded by the outside light and I can't see what's right in front of my face. I can't read what's on my computer. Interestingly, I'm blinded by too much light. Advent begins in darkness. Isaiah talks about the people sitting in darkness. People are looking for answers. People are looking for direction. People in our day are looking for means of escape from all the difficulties they face. And light, in its many different forms and with its many different qualities, are what people are looking for. Each year, when we begin to prepare for the coming of Christ, we think about the fact that Jesus the light of the world is coming into the world. We remember that the coming of Christ changes everything. Christmas marks the beginning of a new age. Humanity lived in relative darkness until Jesus came. The life he lived before us once he came was an example to us. Jesus showed us by his example how to live according to the principles of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven down to earth when he came. Jesus opened the doors to the kingdom of heaven. All of this we celebrate each year as we begin to prepare for Christmas. And yet even though we know all of this and even though we've experienced Christmas year after year, I wonder if to some degree we are still sitting in darkness. The level of Bible knowledge in the general public is at an all time low. There was a time not too many years ago when politicians regularly quoted Bible passages. 
They knew those, quest those quotations would, would lend a feeling of authority and weight to what they were trying to say because the general population would recognize the quotes as coming from the Bible. Now we live in a time when the general population doesn't know what the Bible says about anything. I'm not judging anyone for the way they were raised. I'm just observing that most folks have very little knowledge of what the Bible actually says and even less information about what the mission of Christ is in the world. This is what I'm trying to say. I think we once had more light than we have right now. Ignorance creates darkness. And many folks simply don't know what the Bible has to say about life. And this is my fear. Some Christians are part of the problem. Some of us are so anxious to convince people that our interpretation of the Bible is the correct one among all Christian churches, or our application of the Bible to the current culture must be embraced by everyone, or, or our specific sensibilities regarding personal conduct ought to be followed by everyone. We have um, allowed, I think, by the sounding of so many different trumpets that are not in harmony, we've allowed the general public to consider us irrelevant because we don't seem to be able to agree on what the core message of the gospel is. We want folks to think like us more than we want them to read the Bible and follow the Holy Spirit. We'd rather not acknowledge that there are good Christian folks who don't think the same way we do and I think people get lost in the chaos of all the different kinds of light that is being cast on them. I mean, ignorance is everywhere. And to some degree, it is especially obvious in the lives of people who pretend to know everything about everything. So while there is plenty of darkness around us, at times, all the different reflections of the light of Christ that don't seem to be saying the same thing leaves us feeling a bit tainted and warped when we do see the light. At a minimum, we should be grateful that there is any light at all. But listen to the words of John from John 3.19. You'll recognize the citation. It comes right after John 3.16, which many of us know or at least have seen on signs in Fenway Park. John 3.19. And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true 
come to the light so that, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Light has a way of causing us to hide the things we ought not to be doing. We don't want folks to know certain things about us. We don't want to be judged. So when the light is turned on, we run away and hide. But brothers and sisters, we do not need to fear the light of Christ. At first, when we're in darkness, the light is painful to us. But once we adjust to it, we are grateful for the light that we have. And so we start to walk in the light and soon discover that the light of God's word is everywhere if we really look for it. There has never been greater access to the word of God than there is today. Never at any point in history has there been greater access to the word of God. Bibles are everywhere in every language. You can get Bible apps, programs that read the Bible to you. There are dramatizations of the biblical narratives. There are devotional books of every variety. You can read devotionals for mothers, devotionals for fathers, devotionals for couples, devotionals for hunters, for addicts, for teachers, for teens. If you want the word and you want the word of God to dwell in you, there is nothing to keep you from having it. It is everywhere. There are sermons available online at every hour of the day. Churches with multi-million dollar budgets for production vie for our attention online. And sometimes I wonder if this is a little like the blinding light that comes through my window and keeps me from seeing what's on the computer monitor. Everyone's telling me what to do. The Christian world is shouting at me to follow the latest Christian fad. And in the process, some of us just shut down, close the blinds, and paralyzed, do nothing. So whether we are still in darkness, or whether we feel paralyzed by too much light, we need to hear Paul's words from Romans 13, when he reminds us that the light, capital T, has indeed come, and that it is time now to walk in the light of Jesus. This is Romans 13, 11. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is already the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than it was when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk decently as in the day. You understand what Paul is saying. The time to step into the light of Christ is now. The time to wake from your sleep is now. The time to wake up from your paralysis is now. Perhaps you have been distracted by this thing or that thing all your life. The time to make a choice to follow Christ is now. We don't know if we'll have another opportunity to make this choice, but we have this opportunity to make this choice. There is enough light today for you to step out of your confusion, out of your comfortable distractions, 
out of your status quo lifestyle, out of whatever it is that keeps you from stepping into the kingdom of God, there's enough light to step into the footprints of Jesus, who is the true light of the world. That light is shining now. That pathway is open now. The way before you is clear now. The choice is yours. How do you step into new life if you're sitting in darkness? Well, you begin by humbly admitting that you need the light of Jesus in your life. You invite Jesus to forgive you, to forgive you of your past sins and mistakes, and then you choose to follow him as he leads you by his spirit into a new future. The church exists to send that light everywhere and to help everyone who chooses to step into the kingdom at the invitation of Jesus. And so it is our duty to embrace those who are stepping in the kingdom and reflect the light of Christ to them appropriately. Taking that first step is the best way to prepare for Christmas. One of my favorite devices, and yours too, I'm, I'm suspecting, is my phone. And the, one of the reasons I love my phone most is because at any moment I can say, Hey Siri, turn on the flashlight. I wondered all week if I said that out loud, if any flashlights would go off in the congregation. Apparently not. Walking home from church on a dark night across the front lawn can be treacherous. But I can always pull out my phone and get pure white light when I need it. I told you last Sunday that one of our duties is to reflect the light of Christ. And if we are going to be of any use to anyone on this journey, we must reflect his light without changing it or warping it. Sin in the life of a Christian have, has a way of twisting the light of Christ so that it looks a little bit off. And that is why when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit immediately begins the transforming process in us. He immediately begins to focus and shape and polish and, and cleanse all the impurities of the reflector away so that we can appropriately reflect the light of Christ. In the same way that a reflecting mirror increases the brilliance of a lighting of a lighted camera, a lighted candle, the Holy Spirit works to clean us up so we can reflect the light of Christ. And really, beyond inviting Christ into our hearts and following him and stepping into the kingdom, the second way we prepare for the coming of Christ is to invite the Spirit to purify us we want to reflect the love of Christ in ways that does not, confute, does not create confusion or difficulties for others. As we open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit and, and ask him to help us prepare for the coming of Christ, he will help us see ourselves more clearly. If we pray, search me, O God, and know my heart, know my thoughts, 
See if there is any grievous or offensive way in me. He will answer that prayer. He will make you aware of the areas that need transformation. But like so many, we have a tendency towards defensiveness. So when the Holy Spirit points out things in us that um, need to be fixed or confessed or repented of or changed, our natural human inclination to the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit is to get immediately defensive. I mean, we, we hear the Spirit say something to us, the idea of what needs to be changed comes into our mind and we say, oh no, that's, that can't be me. That's, that's not what I was intending or, or uh, you, you, you've got this wrong, you, it, this can't be me. And it doesn't even occur to us in our defensiveness that what we're doing is saying, God, you've got it wrong, right? I mean, how foolish is that? When the Spirit speaks, he never gets it wrong. In fact, the specificity of the Spirit's voice is one of the primary ways we know that it's the Holy Spirit speaking, right? Because there is an adversary out there who's always trying to speak condemnation into our lives, right? And when the adversary speaks, he says things like, you're not worth much, you're not good, you're a bad person, you should feel shame. That's the adversary trying to speak condemnation into our lives. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks with specificity. And he says to us things like, what you said to name of person was less than loving. Okay? Well, that's something I can act on immediately, right? I know exactly what he's talking about. And he's not saying that to condemn me. He's saying, you should apologize. Because when you apologize, you restore the relationship and the body of Christ is encouraged and you move forward together. And so the condemnation of the enemy always serves to bring us down. The, the specificity of the Holy Spirit always leads us to more Christ-likeness. And so we can discern the voices with a simple test like that. And we know when the Holy Spirit's speaking that he's always right. The question is, will we listen? Will we do the things that he says? Will we acknowledge the fact that his choice of words to us is correct? And, and do we want his correcting voice in our lives? Because you understand, if you continually say no to the Holy Spirit, you can in time develop the calluses on your ears that just keep you from hearing what he says anymore. I mean, how many times do you call God wrong before he says, what's the point in saying anything to you? Or how hard and loud must I speak through trials and difficulties in your life to get your attention so that you know it's my voice? Because his love for us is infinite and he wants us to reflect his light. And so, I guess I'm left with just two questions this morning. Do you need to accept Jesus into your life? Do you need to take his invitation to stop running away, 
to stop hiding and step into the light of Christ? If you've never done that, that's the only way to fully embrace the coming of the light of Christ to the world, which is Christmas. Or the second question, do you need to stop trying to live your own hybrid sort of Christianity? Something I call Christianity on your own terms and surrender to Christ completely and allow his Holy Spirit to speak to you clearly, to apply his transforming grace so that you can accurately reflect the light of Christ. We're gonna sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel again in just one moment. There are some verses we don't typically sing that I've uh, asked to have us sing this morning. And if while we're singing this song of invitation, I mean, what could be more inviting than O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? If you feel like you need a moment to pause and pray here at the beginning of Advent, this, pray, this praying spot, this altar, is available to you. You're welcome to come and kneel here and pray quietly and invite Emmanuel to come into your heart, to do whatever needs to be done whether it's to invite him to be Lord of your life for the first time or, or to point out any conflict between you and your mission, this is a place of prayer. And you're welcome to kneel here and pray while we sing this song together. Heavenly Father, help us as we, as we sing now to hear your voice and respond to all that you say to us. For we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing together? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O branch of Jesse, stem unto your own and rescue them from depths of hell your people save and give them victory o'er the grave rejoice rejoice Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O bright and morning star, and bring us comfort from afar. Dispel the shadows of the night And turn our darkness into
as we invite you again to come into our hearts and lives. Encourage us by your presence here. Shine your light on us. Use us as reflectors of your light. Grant that we may hear the voice of your spirit now and always, that we may join in your mission in the world to reflect your glory. And now may the light of Christ so shine on your faces that you will have no choice but to live to the glory of God now and forever. Amen.